We have our Women's Champions League semi-finalist finally. Plenty to talk about, even though we're only covering the second legs, which is quite interesting because we usually just do everything together. Anyway, I'm your host, Alexi Baseta, and I'm with Abdul Abdullah and Jesse Parker Humphreys. How are you two? Doing well. I'm eating creme caramel while we're doing this episode, so that's that's always positive. Um, but otherwise, good. Excited to cover this episode with the teams that we have. Yeah, I'm good. I feel very busy. I'm moving house, but apart from that, I'm doing good. I thought you moved. moving house, running a marathon on Sunday. Why wouldn't you do this? And no, I just feel miserable that my life is not going to gay bars and women's football matches because I think it's actually what I was born to do. So, so for context, Jesse and I went to a gay bar in Barcelona called Jinjin um, in honor of Tintin. Uh, so make of that what you will. <laughs> it was a great night. It was a great two nights. We, we went twice. <laughs> we liked it so much. We went back the that night. That is true. <laughs> uh, but let's go back to the football. Um, we will be covering the second legs of the quarterfinals. If you haven't heard our last episode where we cover the first legs, just go back to the last, literally the last episode um, and you'll get that analysis there. So we'll just focus on second legs and a bit of a preview for the semifinals. Um, but nothing too surprising happened in the second legs, I think. Um, of course, the biggest headline being Barcelona, the world record for a women's football official women's football attendance with 91,553 people attending Camp Nou to see El Clasico. Of course, Jesse being one of them, I don't think my accreditation counted. So I'm really, I'm actually really annoyed about that, that I wasn't like one of those people. (laughs) Yeah, but just an outstanding and historic moment in women's football. I still haven't lived it down. So I don't think that's going to be lived down anytime soon. Um, But we do have the semifinals set up. Barcelona versus Wolfsburg and PSG versus Lyon. It's written in the stars, really. Um, the first legs are on April 22nd and 24th, and the second legs are both on April 30th. Now onto the football. We'll go in order of play. And I will say sorry for my voice because I came back from Germany with a very nasty cold because it decided to snow in the morning after Wolfsburg Arsenal. So that was lovely, lovely, especially coming from Barcelona, which is the complete opposite weather. Um, But again, a historic moment for a historic team. Barcelona beat Real Madrid 5-2 at Camp Nou, 8-3 on aggregate. Barcelona have won all eight Champions League matches that they've played so far. Um, Just three more. Um, I'm just going to say there's three more until they lift another trophy. Um, You heard it here first. (laughs) And they can finish this Champions League season invincible, really. So that's going to be um, a nice challenge for Alexia and the rest of the Barcelona team, as I would imagine they're definitely keen to do. Um, but Jesse, you were in the stands. Talk us through what it was like to watch this match from the stands. It was really good. Like, I, was, I wasn't prepared to be, not cynical, but like, I'm not a Barcelona fan. In fact, I'm the opposite of a Barcelona ah! fan. <laughs> hey, what happened in Barcelona stays in Barcelona. <laughs> um, and, you know, when I, uh, I got there really early because I wanted to go with Alex and Alex had to get there really early. Um, so I had a lot of time to kill and it was really cool to see all the fans kind of like coming in. I've never seen so many people be there for a team bus. It was totally crazy. When we got into the ground... It didn't really feel that full, I think, because the kickoff was like too early. But when it filled up, it was like totally immense. The atmosphere was amazing. The game was actually good because obviously Real Madrid were 2-1 up at one point. Um, I don't think anyone thought that Barcelona were going to get knocked out, but it it did add like a bit more tension. And I, because I was a bit worried if, if like Barcelona were going to blow Real Madrid away, that it would actually just be quite dull. Um, some of the goals were like incredible. So yeah, just like... I came out like totally buzzing. It was an amazing night. To say the least, I think. Uh, but Abdullah, sadly, this wasn't a complete box to box trip. Um, but tell us from an outside perspective what you felt, you know, on socials, on everything, the build up to this match and what it actually was. Huge. Um, for the record, I think one day we will have a complete trip somewhere. But for now, uh, we will have to wait. Um, 
uh, but no, I think I think it was huge. I think as 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 big as I think you guys felt at the stadium and, and kind of the buzz around it, I think it was equally on social media everywhere. I was, I mean, it was just dominated by the fact that I think the fact that it was played at the Camp Nou with such a big crowd expected, I think that just hyped it up even more. And kind of everybody you you, you looked at, and a lot of the, a lot of my friends, a lot of people who at least on on social media that were into that are into men's football and they don't watch this, even they were they were talking about it. They they were they were they were asking questions and. So to me, that just felt like, all right, this is this is transcended into 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 both kind of um, sets of fans and sets of people uh, who watch football. And and I think, you know, it was massive. And I think obviously I think the game lived up to the hype from, you know, based on the whole thing that we saw was even though it was eight, three on aggregate and five, two on a night, it was just drama with Real Madrid going going ahead. And I really felt like they put up a good fight uh, fight. So I think the expectation versus reality, I think. For a game that was at one point expected to be a complete thrashing in a one-sided game, turned out not to be that in terms of the performance. So to some extent, so I think, yeah, I think it was it was just great from an outside perspective to kind of just watch on and, and just get to the, you know, for, to kick at the ball and, and kind of how it went from there. Yeah, definitely. I only cried about three or four times. Um, <laughs> just, yeah. You should give your version of events. You probably had the yeah. most exciting version um, of events of all three. I'm, I mean, I'm still like watching videos and smiling like a little kid, like on Christmas morning. No, it was obviously I, yeah, I got to be pitch side behind the goal. Um, and I was on the side of where the supporters were with the drums and everything. And yeah, just hearing the Barcelona anthem. I, I mean, when I went to Barcelona in September, I went to a Barcelona match at the Johan Cruyff Stadium and my eyes got really watery when they played the Barcelona anthem. Um, that was the first time that I heard it like in a match. And then it happened again now. Not It actually wasn't the walkout sound because the walkout, yeah, like you said, Jesse, like it took a long time for the stadium to really fill up to its full capacity. So when they played the anthem in the walkout and then they played the Champions League anthem like right after that, it was a bit odd. Um, but then in the middle of the match, uh, I'm pretty sure it was right after Real Madrid scored their equalizer from the penalty. Um, all the Barcelona fans got their little signs up again and they had the more than empowerment message and they started singing the Barcelona anthem. And that like that moment got me. That was like, it was a mix of like a Barcelona fan perspective of being like, wow, this moment. But then as a woman's football fan perspective of like, wow, this moment is like a unique historic probably not going to happen anytime again. It's, it's just a unique experience because it's the first time it's happened. I don't know. Um, and yeah, just living that. And then obviously I got to be where the celebrations were with the players afterwards. Um, I had a mask on, so I was singing along to every single song without anybody noticing. Um, I was standing up on a chair at one point as well. So there's that. Um, no, yeah, I had the time of my life. I mean, yeah, the players... Uh, Ana Maria Karnochevich was literally sitting right I was like touching her back kind of like she was literally right next to me and it took a lot of willpower to not just put my arm around her and just start singing along with them um no it was yeah it was I mean it was in the moment it was still a lot but now when you look at what obviously when I say we me and Jesse Abdul I'm so sorry <laughs> um but like when you look at like what we live through that's like it's amazing. Like now that we've like, we're away from it, we've settled down. We're unfortunately back to our regular lives. It's like really incredible to think back on it and, and know that we were there for that moment. That's clearly going to be a historic moment, no matter what. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, I can go on about this forever. I'm, I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Alex have such a big smile as she did when she came up with the Nuka. Yeah. I met, I met Jesse right after like, I got out of the stadium and I met Jesse and I was like, yeah, I was like smiling ear to ear. Um, that was right after. <laughs> but literally then the entire evening as yeah. well. Like she didn't stop smiling. <laughs> yeah. Basically that's what happened. Um, yeah. So then yeah, then I had to go to Arsenal Wolves for the next day, which was an awesome. <laughs> it's why I've been living this through these two. I've just been living. I've just been living this week through these two, so it's all good. Okay, but we'll we'll go back to the actual football now. Now that we've we've expressed our emotions, I think are we just turning into like ranting sessions now after last, I think so. last, I think last so. episode? 
We're becoming normal podcasters. Oh, no, no. Let's not get into that. All right, so Jesse. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, we mentioned it before. Real Madrid got themselves back into the match momentarily heading into the halftime. Obviously, a penalty, which was fair enough. Well taken penalty. It was fine. Then um, an outstanding goal from the halfway line, which I, I've watched that like five times and I it's like I just have to clap. Um was there any doubt, even slightly, that Barcelona weren't going to get the result that they did? I think maybe at two at, at two one, I like was like, okay, what's the maths like here? Like, is it feasible? But the reality was that Real Madrid had been in the game so little, like it was all Barcelona that you're like, well, they've used up the penalty and the wonder goal. So like, where are they going to get the other goals from? And, you know, it just felt like it was kind of inevitable that at some point it was going to click for Barcelona. And, and obviously it did. And when they started scoring, they started scoring incredibly, incredibly quickly. So I think it was always going to feel very unlikely, but I am going to shout out the one Real Madrid, the sole Real Madrid fan who was uh, behind the goal uh, for the second Real Madrid goal because that's why I was sitting and absolutely lost his mind and fair, fair play to him everyone else was just sat down like absolutely fuming and this one guy was going for it but yeah it was always going to be obviously a really tough task for Real Madrid I think they didn't get anywhere near the level of foothold that they managed to get in the first leg in this game and so I think it was I was happy for the, the players that they like got their moments as well because you know I think it's something we often think about how much it matters to kind of home players with the home fans. And obviously like lots of the focus has been kind of understandably like what it means for so many of those Barcelona players who've grown up as Barcelona fans and all that kind of stuff. But also like playing in that atmosphere, like must be amazing, like whoever you are. Right. So I thought it was really cool for, for Real Madrid to, to have those moments and to be able to go ahead. And I think just generally over the two legs, they'll be able to come away and feel like there were, there were points within that game where they could push Barcelona. I would have loved to have seen Afinia run more at Friedelina Rolfo because I was just like, there were like a couple of moments where she did, and I was like, you could have her on toast, but like it just didn't, it it didn't feel like they ever really believed maybe that it was going to happen for them, and that was kind of like done from the first leg. Yeah, the moments that the players got were, again, going back to the emotional aspect of it. Um, yeah, like Alexia Potias celebrating with the drums. There was like she had like watery eyes, but then. I think the most wholesome bit, of course, yeah, like Alexia, Aitana, everyone, you know, Barcelona players from the start. Um, Caroline Graham Hansen's post-match interview is arguably the most wholesome thing that you will see in the entire, like, thing. She was, I mean, she was outstanding, obviously, in the match she scored, but she was probably even expressing more emotion than these players for some reason. Like she was an overly excited kid, just like me. She was exactly like me and even more obviously because she scored. Um, But that was really wholesome and it was really nice to see. But I did think that the first half Barcelona probably played below average um, of what potentially they usually do. But Abdullah, obviously Real Madrid pushed Barca close in that first leg and now pushed them close, at least in the first half of the second leg. What, how did you think they did in the second leg compared to the first? Yeah, I, th- I think they. I think they did. Um, I think like 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 you guys are just saying. I think in moments and patches and that and that's in the second game. They, um, I think they did. They did quite well. And I think the compared to all the games that they've played against Barcelona in this in this um, you know in this season, it's it is one of those games where you're like, you know what? It's like. The, the two Champions League games was just like a step above for them. It's like, okay, we tried so many different things in those games. We got outclassed and and we got like, you know, the, the results were, were not great, like in terms of the actual score. But while in this game, it was as well a big aggregate win and a big win on the night for Barcelona. But the whole performance just felt so much closer than it actually was. It was like, if they can learn how to keep what they were doing in those moments and those in those in those pockets for longer, it could become it could become a close game. And I think it's good news for the league in general that if Real Madrid, after a couple of years now, are and they finally showed some sort of um, you know uh, they showed some tenacity to be able to go toe to toe with Barcelona, even if it was for 
a brief moment, if you can call it. I think that's just overall great. But I think they played well. I think there was a clear game plan that actually worked. And I think that is possibly going to pave the way open for, you know, for Wolfsburg and whoever. And if Barcelona reached the final, whoever places them in the final, because it's... Obviously, there are there have been weaknesses with this Barcelona side. We, we we've talked about it in the in the in the previous when we did the preview was about their pressing and how some of the La Liga teams, uh, Primera Iberdrola teams, sorry, uh, pressed them high. They they were susceptible to the odd you know mistake at the back, the odd pass you know that, that didn't go out well, and they, they, you know they can be got at if you if you press them high. It's just they're really good at do, you know getting out of it. Um, they just, you know, Real Madrid just managed to do that well across two different two legs, even in the second leg, and getting the penalty, the goal from Zornosa from from the halfway line, and I think they needed those moments to be able to get goals and go in front and move things. But I think that maybe not luck, but I'm saying those moments of fortune kind of was was deserved just because of the way they played and the way they executed the game plan overall. So yeah, I think overall they played really, really well. Um, and it's just, a, it's a positive two legs for Real Madrid in general going into the rest of the season and next season. And Jesse, again, you know, you saw it from the stands, but was there something in particular that you found really impressive? Uh, maybe something tactically that we don't usually see on cameras, anything from that angle? I mean, I was sat behind the guy. I'd probably, if I'd got to sit like right at the top, although I actually think if I'd sat right at the top, like I'm not very good at with heights, I think I'd have felt a bit sick. But I was like basically, but also I was quite distracted because uh, unfortunately we couldn't figure out what seats we were supposed to be in. So basically we had to like argue in Spanish and I don't speak Spanish um, with like three different people about what seats we were supposed to be in. And we didn't understand why they were getting so aggy because also they'd like turn up 20 minutes late and there were other seats to sit in. But anyway, we had to wait till half time. And then we had to chuck some girls out of our seats because they'd stolen out. Anyway, so no, no, it's not really the answer because it's just so, it's just so hard, isn't it? When you're like sat behind the goal, everything's like a funny angle. Also because for the entirety of second half, everything was at the other end. So I did have a great angle for uh, Aitana Bonmati's goal because like it was like directly in line with me. Um, but yeah, sorry. No tactics, Cam. How was your angle for the Sornosa goal? Yeah, that was sick. That was really good. And um, the Mappy goal as well was great. So they, they I was like, because Becky Taylor-Gill, who I sat with, was upset that so many of the goals had been at the other end. I was like, we probably got the two best ones. Really, so I, I I was happy to take it. It's fine. I got the election one. Um, Abdullah, is there anything about Barca that you think Wolfsburg could potentially exploit in the semifinals? I think it's, it's again it's back to that pressing that we've talked about. I think that is going to be key for the way they're going to be able to um, they're going to be able to to stop uh, Barcelona because I think we've seen it with teams in 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 the in the league. We've seen it with Real Madrid now in this in in these in these two ties where if you if you get at Barcelona a little bit and kind of not give them time. I mean, I they're really. I mean, let's put this. There is no doubting Barcelona in possession or probably the best team in the world uh, in terms of being able to get out, playing between themselves and playing in tight spaces. But if you can close the spaces and you can be aggressive against them, I think there is, um, there is a way to, there is a way to, to stop them. And I think this is where someone like Lena Oberdorf is going to be a huge, huge, huge player for Wolfsburg. And if, if they're going to have any success against containing and, and, and kind of blocking that midfield, I think it's, it's, it's through Lena Oberdorf and, uh, and, and kind of the other midfielders. So I think, I think if they can press well and, and win that midfield battle in, in off the ball, I think then they have a chance on the counter because not to forget, they've got some fantastic players who can counter Iwa Payor, Alexander Pop is back. Um, so they, they, uh, Jan's daughter was really impressive. I, I know we'll get to Wolfsburg later, but I think Jan's daughter in that in the game against Arsenal was absolutely fantastic and, and full of pace. So I think they've got the players on the break to do it. They just, and I, but I think it comes down to that pressing and, and how they play in that midfield. Lena Oberdorf versus Alexia Puteas is going to be very interesting to see. Um, I think Lena did really well against Viv, but yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, we'll move on to the next match. Um, I'm really sad to stop talking about Barcelona. Um, but we'll move on to PSG Bayern Munich. PSG won 4-3 on aggregate. 
2-2 the second leg obviously went into extra time um, we said it was going to be a tough one for Bayern to get back after 2-1 defeat in Munich but they almost did it um, and I think they definitely could have done it if they capitalized on their opportunities because they had quite a few that one um, Clara Bull uh, shot that was a beauty of a shot and it just went wide that would have been I would have cried on that again no I'm kidding I, I just yeah that you were having a very emotional evening so I could believe that you would have cried it's, um this is what happens when you have a cold um that was a really sexy shot that's all I'm gonna say that was so nice tactical, <laughs> tactical that was a sexy shot that's it the way it curled, it was like a knuckleball, but it's like swerved out. Anyway, okay. If that would have gone to side netting from the angle that she hit it in, that would have been so nice. Um, but yeah, it was Ramona Bachman who sent PSG into the semifinals, scoring the winner in, in the 112th minute. Um, a really awkward assist from Ashley Lawrence, but I think Ramona Bachman did decently well. Um, I don't want to give her too much credit because... I wanted Bayern Munich to go through, but it was a really she did touch. very well. Yeah. It was a great goal. <laughs> it was it was a good first touch into space, took a, another touch, and then just Meg the Bayern player got it far post. It was it was a good goal. Uh, let's say that. Um, but Jesse, a kind of hard question, maybe was this a fair result overall over both legs? I think it's hard because of obviously what Bayern went through with all their COVID cases and obviously they then had a really crappy weekend where they got absolutely beasted by Wolfsburg and it's just been a really rubbish week for them and I do feel for them for that. But that being said, I did kind of feel like, I feel like PSG did their best to throw this tie away, but ultimately over two legs, I did think they deserved to go through uh, I will say this wasn't this whole round was just like an awful round for goalkeeping wasn't it because that Sandy Baltimore goal was so bleak um, and yeah I think uh, Sandra Panos had like her moment as well and uh, Misa Rodriguez too so not a great not a great time for goalies but I think generally it just felt like PSG had so much on the counter even when Bayern felt on top. You just always felt like PSG were, were a threat. It was exactly like the first leg. Um, as soon as it was going to extra time, you were like, Bayern just have nothing else. Like they've got no one else available to bring on. Whereas PSG are bringing on Ramona Backman, who like I still think is a really like quality player. She's incredibly experienced and she still has the quality to, to do what she did and, and score that goal. So I think... PSG are obviously like massive chaos club at the moment. So I don't know what, I don't feel very confident for them against Lyon, uh, but I th- I think they, it was right that they went through. And Abdullah, what did you think of PSG? You know, I think, obviously, I think, you know what, all things considered with Bayern, I actually thought Bayern played really, really well. I mean, with the players that they had on the pitch, you know, the effort they gave, you know, over 120 minutes, you know, players were just falling on the floor through exhaustion. It was crazy. Um, but I think if Bayern were just a little bit more clinical across the two legs, you do, you know, I think Bayern could have scored easily three, two, three goals and then kind of put the tide to bed. I think PSG just when the moment mattered, they scored and then they just finished it, though they didn't play. I think there were there were there were moments where they played well. I think um obviously. You know, Ashley Lawrence was 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 pretty good across the two legs, and you had the likes of um, you had the likes of Gioro, Katoto, Diani. They, I mean, they did their thing at times, but you know, but there was a, but it was a proper matchup, and I think Bayern Munich, all things considered, you know, pushed them. And I think I would, it's hard, but I think you know, in some respects, I might even just give the overall tie slightly to Bayern Munich in terms of performance. But just like in the first leg, when it mattered, PSG just scored just scored a couple of goals and, and kind of, kind of went through. So um, if they, if they kind of do the same thing in the next round, yeah, I don't see it ending, you know, any better because, you know, we'll talk about later, but I think though Leon Duke squandered their own chances as well, I think you're more likely to, to be punished by that front three than, than a Bayern front three. And Jesse, looking ahead at the semifinals, so like off of what Abdullah just mentioned, after seeing Bayern pushing PSG that far, do you think that Leon can easily do the same and maybe even perhaps better? Yeah, I think the 
PSG just basically have no midfield, right? And everything, like we talked about this on the first legs, everything just feels like it goes down the flanks. But Leon, it feels like they have more robustness in their wide areas to stop PSG being so effective with that and a really, really good midfield. I think you even saw in Leon's second leg how much just the addition of like Lindsay Haram was already making a difference there. Um, so I feel like, I mean, it's just weird, right? Because Leon and PSG have both like absolutely trounced each other once this season. Uh, and they're yet to play each other again for the, the second time in the league. Although PSG, I guess, drew at the weekend. So it kind of feels like that's all over too. Um, but I would probably back Leon. I think I just, I just feel like it's kind of impressive given all the off field stuff that PSG have got this far and given, yeah, how kind of, Blacks, uh, tactically, they feel. Um, but I think in the semi-finals, I just think Leon will have too much in terms of quality, and they just won't. I think they'll they'll have a much better idea of of what they're coming up against. It's kind of like the Barcelona Real Madrid thing, you know. Everyone can know that Barcelona is amazing, and, and in theory, but in practice, you still have to deal with them. But you're kind of seeing with Real Madrid that the more you try and deal with them, the more you start to figure out maybe those like smaller things, and you know this Leon side have played Katoto Diani in Baltimore as a front three multiple times. So they're going to be much better equipped to deal with what those like counterattacks look like uh, than someone like Bayern was. So I think ultimately that will probably give Leon the advantage, but it's going to be spicy. So I'm looking forward to it. It is going to be good. I think the lack of clashes that they've had this season makes it even better. Um, but Abdullah, did you see any weaknesses in PSG that could potentially hurt them against Lyon? Yeah, I think I think it's that it's that midfield and 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 kind of some the spaces that Ashley Lawrence and, and Sakina Kershawi leave behind them. I think both of the two fullbacks are so attacking um, that, that 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 there is space to go up. But I think while a lot of PSG's play comes from the two fullbacks and and they do a lot of work being on the overlap and 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 kind of playing in those spaces. I think if if the way Leon set up, I think there is scope to be able to transition well and kind of play it into the wide areas, especially when you have Melvin Ballard on one side and Delphine Cascarino on the other side, who are both speed merchants. They're so quick. So I think that's one area that I think uh, Leon uh, Leon can get through. And I think that midfield, Jesse, you know, alluded to it. Lindsay Haran just coming into that right right hand side. She was. I think that was probably. Uh, one of the better games I've seen Lindsay Haram play, and, and and I think she just slotted in so well into that position, and I think the whole setup of that second leg, we'll get into it later, but I think it suited Lindsay Haran, and you could tell the way those three midfielders played together felt like there was cohesion, there was a plan, and they were able to play through uh, Juventus's midfield, which which kind of got them got them you know in the first leg, and I think if Sarah Dabritz is 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 not fit for that second, you know, for that first leg. I think that'll be a huge blow because I think out of all the midfielders, I think Dabritz is their best player in in midfield. And if she's not there, they have a huge problem because if you're playing Hamraoui, Gioro, and Diallo, I feel that's too much of a defensive midfield um, with very with not. It's not as it's very it's limited in itself. I mean, I don't know how. There's not much they can do except for a few, you know, forward passes and a few side passes. There's no one that to thread the needle, and everything relies on the front three and the fullbacks to kind of. And Ashley Lawrence is, you know, they're almost like their primary playmaker from right from right back. She'll kind of come in and play those passes. So if they can block the supply from from Ashley Lawrence can stop the midfield from really doing much and, and kind of press them. I think, you know, Leon can really get at the, uh, get at, get at PSG. That's definitely going to be a very good semi-final clash, but we're going to go to arguably the most boring second leg clash of the quarterfinals. And I say this as an Arsenal fan, um, Wolfsburg two, Arsenal nil, Wolfsburg one, three, one on aggregate, obviously after that one, one draw in the first leg. Um, it was impressive how bad Arsenal played. Um, it was, I, maybe it was the high that I had from Camp Nou and then just going to Wolfsburg and the match didn't really live up to it. But no, even even talking to everyone after the match, um, we were all just kind of almost in shock of how bad it went for Arsenal. Just everything about it. I mean, when you look at the two goals that Wolfsburg have, it was at Joe Ward kind of, scrappy last minute little tap in. And then the second goal was obviously a Lee Williamson own goal, which really hurts to say, but 
it was, I think that kind of sums up the match overall. But um, to get even more of a confidence boost, uh, Jesse mentioned it earlier, after playing Arsenal, Wolfsburg beat Bayern Munich 6-0 in the league. Um, So I think that's the title wrapped up for Wolfsburg, um, potentially. But yeah, Wolfsburg uh, to Arsenal nil. It was a really... I wouldn't say it, it was interesting in terms of I think Wolfsburg did everything right and Arsenal couldn't really do anything about it in that sense. But Jesse, what did you think? Firstly, I was annoyed because I paid more to watch this on the plane Wi-Fi home than I did to go and watch Barcelona. And then it was pretty rubbish. Alex sent me a photo after about 70 minutes of herself looking very cold and very, very bored, <laughs> which made me laugh. Yeah, this game was, it was pretty dire, wasn't it? It, it reminded me a bit of um, the Wolfsburg-Chelsea game uh, at the end of the group stage in terms of how quickly Wolfsburg came out the gates. And obviously Chelsea conceded a lot more than Arsenal did in the game, but it felt like a very similar pattern whereby neither team was just prepared for the intensity that that Wolfsburg came with um, that kind of Catley Heath left-hand side was just getting ripped to shreds. Like I felt quite sorry for Steph Catley because she was like on toast and Tobin Heath was doing literally nothing to help her. So that just like, wasn't great. There was so much space over there. I think Wolfsburg could easily have, have scored more goals in that first half. And then it kind of felt like as, you know, Arsenal moved into the second half, they were dealing better with Wolfsburg's press, as in they were like able to get the ball into midfield, but then they weren't able to get it any further from there. And so that this is kind of when it just descended into like quite a dull game because it wasn't even like Wolfsburg were really attacking anymore. And then obviously the the Williamson own goal, like it's really unfortunate, but it just totally kills off the game. I think it was a, like a fair result over the, you know, I didn't think Arsenal were very good in, in either leg. Um, and I think, you know, Wolfsburg, you can just see with that league match as well, they've just found like uh, this fantastic like run of form. I don't know if it's confidence. They've still got players coming back. Like, you know, Eva Payor, like is, I think, did she score in the 6-0? Um, anyway, she's like come back from her injury and it's that's kind of crazy as well that you're like, oh, wow, like this is a team that's still kind of um, missing out on players. But it, yeah, it, it feels like it's really like clicking for Tommy Stroot now. And it kind of feels like that Chelsea game was was the catalyst because from there, they've just kind of run and run. I think the semi-final will be really, really fascinating. I still have like question marks over this Wolfsburg team, but they definitely deserve to, to win the quarterfinal. Yeah, it is interesting what you said about yeah, the Steph Catley, Tobin Heath, because once Caitlin Ford came on the same side as Steph Catley, that changed everything, I think. Um, it was a lot more cohesive and obviously they are like national team teammates and whatnot. But I think Caitlin Ford, yeah, did, did a bit more to help um, recuperate the ball and, and all that kind of stuff. But it was really intriguing to see. I've never seen Kim Little not being able to hold on to the ball for that long. It was she struggled. I mean, obviously there was that one clip where she just deked like three Wolfsburg players. But overall, the press that Wolfsburg had, Arsenal had like no possession whatsoever. They couldn't string together passes. Obviously, as you mentioned, Jesse, they couldn't get past the midfield, um, which is really annoying to watch. Um, but Jesse, there goes your team. Uh, I reckon that you are the bad luck charm. I'm cursed. Bad luck charm. <laughs> I'm cursed. Uh, but Abdullah, you like to support Barcelona in the semi-final. No, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can go for Lyon. <laughs> can you support PSG as well, please? Uh, that be no problem. Um, Abdullah, but what do you think went so wrong for Arsenal in this match? Uh, everything. I know. Uh, I think. I think. Um, I don't know. It's. Arsenal just, you know, you think about it now, this has been this slow downward trajectory. And I don't mean in terms of like they're spiraling, but I just felt like the last few weeks, it's just not been as smooth as it was, you know, during the first, uh, during the first half of the season. Um, and there was a period with, with, with Jonas and Arsenal where even the way they were playing, the performances in their wins was just a lot better. And 
it's just not there anymore. And I feel like maybe, maybe it's because they've become predictable. Um, you know, obviously we remember when, when, when Arsenal made those signings with Blackstenius and Rafael Souza and, and Wayne Ross in, in, in January, it kind of revitalized them a little bit. And you know, they, they started playing a lot better. It was like fresh legs, but there's just something about Arsenal right now. that's just not, it's not clicking. It's not working. Maybe it's the it's the Miedema noise that's coming around out of the camp and and kind of you know what's her future like, whatever it is. It's there's something not settled well at Arsenal, and it almost felt like they were they ran out of ideas pretty quickly when Wolfsburg kind of were trying to block them man for man in midfield. They were just stopping everything that was going through midfield. So anything that was going through Manum or Little in midfield, they were blocking man to man, making sure it went out to the wide wide areas. But then even then, they were able to uh, they were able to block off there and kind of win the ball back in transition when it was going from mid, uh, midfield to the wide areas and counter. And it almost felt like they were able to do that time and time again. And Arsenal almost had no 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 answers until until they make the made the sub. So. Yeah, it's it's. I can't really put my finger on it, but it's just Wolfsburg. Just I think they've they've just kind of come back from beginning of the season where everyone's you know where's without they wouldn't even make it out of the group stage at one point. Are now in the semifinals against Barcelona, and you know you know what maybe they have a they have a shot of getting to the final again. So it's it's a huge turnaround for Wolfsburg. But yeah, awesome. I think I think they want the season to end. You know, get to the summer, make the. Ch- I think there'll be some changes there, so I think they'll make the changes and then they they start again next year. I mean, last time Wolfsburg were in the final, they beat Barcelona in the semis and Pernille Harder was still there. Got megged by Alexia Fotellas, I might add. Um, and but she did score the goal <laughs> to knock her out, which she probably did. Alexia Fotellas megged Pernille okay. Harder, that's all you need to know. <laughs> and then, of course, um, Fridney Larolfo also scored in that game. Um, so it's quite insane to realise how much has changed since then. Um, but Jesse... Do you think Wolfsburg will be able to do something similar to Barcelona in the sense of disrupting play? I think Wolfsburg will look at Real Madrid's first leg against Barcelona and think, yeah, we can do something similar in terms of, you know, being prepared to be quite aggressive. And, you know, it's something like Alex and I like spoke about when we were in Barcelona. I feel like because Barcelona are so good people don't think of the way they play as being like particularly high risk, but it's a very high risk style of play. They just do it very well. So because they keep hold of the ball so much, uh, you're like, Oh my gosh, how do you get the ball off them? But when you, if you do, there's suddenly often lots of space for, for people to run into. And, you know, Real Madrid have like exploited that in, in their games against them. And we'll like, definitely have the players to, to make the most of that. I thought, yeah, like Abdullah said, I thought John Stotter was, was really, really good. I'd not watched her before. Um, and I was really impressed. Uh, Tabia Vasmuth obviously is just like on fire at the moment. And, you know, she's so good at kind of running into those areas. But I think the problem Wolfsburg Wolf face is again, just like over 180 minutes. Like you're really asking a lot of a team to, keep Barcelona out like it's one thing to say can Wolfsburg get some opportunities against Barcelona by kind of playing in this kind of like quite aggressive manner uh in like a you know this 4-4-2 formation that they like yeah sure but like are they going to also be able to stop Barcelona like kind of coming up with some magic that's just what feels hard to believe over a two-legged fixture I think if it was just 90 minutes you'd be like maybe they could because you know I do think we've seen Barcelona be frustrated like they were frustrated at the weekend for like half a game half the match and you know but then the problem is once they figure you out they then will score like five in like five minutes and you're like oh okay so the question is is how long can you keep them frustrated for and I think that time period is getting longer but I don't think it yet extends to 180 minutes for for teams especially at Wolfsburg because I do still think you know they have had this great run of form, but I think there are players in there who you can worry into errors still. Um, and I think, again, against a really scary Barcelona team who will put a lot of pressure on you and force you into errors, it, it, it's quite hard for me to imagine that that doesn't happen at some point in this game as well. Yeah, going back onto the high-risk style play, when you look at the way Barcelona play, their positional style play is what's most impressive, but it's also what is, I think, the most high-risk thing about their style play. Because when you look at the way they move the ball around, once you recover the ball, Mapi Leon will be probably in 
a number eight position and then your fullback will be in a winger position and then your your other center back is just too far away. So it's those moments where I think Real Madrid have done it a few times, but I don't think they've done it enough in the sense of, and I think I've said it before in this podcast where they try to hold on to the ball for too long and that's obviously not going to happen against, you know, Barcelona style play. You know, their, their motto is the classic Johan Cruyff motto is that as long as you have the ball, you know, you're defending um, in the sense that as long as you have the ball, they can't do anything because they don't have the ball. The other team doesn't have the ball, so you can't do anything about it. Um, so their obviously first instinct is to get the ball back, um, which I think Real Madrid tried to hold on for too long, even after knowing that. And Wolfsburg do need to kind of maybe just get the ball up to Tabea Wazmuth and let her do her thing. But we'll see what happens. And Abdullah, how do you think, how will Barcelona and Wolfsburg's tactics match up overall? Yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be interesting. I think um, obviously Wolfsburg in terms of quality uh, are probably a little bit better than than Real Madrid. And if Real Madrid were able to execute a, a decent game plan and, and stifle them for, you know, 15, 20 minutes here and there, I think Wolfsburg are be able to do it, um, you know, do it better. And I think in a sense, there is, there's no real pressure on Wolfsburg to win this because I think a lot of people are as usual expecting mm. that that Barcelona should be winning this so I think they can kind of at least in the first they go in you know without any pressure and kind of uh, and go in with full confidence to be able to say all right maybe we can pick up a result even if they can get a, a draw whether it's a nil nil draw or a one nil a one one I think they can uh, they can they can go to the second leg being like all right well, we we're still in this I think for them it's going to be let's 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 make sure we don't give anything away in midfield and let's get let's protect our let's protect our back four and and see what we can do on the counter attack I think overall I think that'll be it and for Barcelona I think it'll be just more of the same let's just keep the ball let's move it quickly let's let's get it around and get get Alexia into play and 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 the rest of them and go from there and I think it'll it'll be interesting to me I want to see you know who they play because I think at left back that left side is probably the one area that Barcelona constantly keep rotating obviously I know Mariona's injured but then sometimes Rolfo plays at left back sometimes she plays at left wing sometimes Leila comes on um, so it'll be intriguing to see who they use on that left hand side to go up against uh, there because maybe playing uh, Rolfo at left back may not be the best idea and maybe you get Leila and then you play Rolfo Rolfo versus Basmuth I would like yeah, to watch that would, be, that would be pretty amazing so I'm intrigued to see what they do on that left hand side but uh, yeah I think I think it should be a really spicy and tasty tie overall to say the least to say the least and obviously um, Barcelona have sold out that match um, at the moment it's about 80k tickets gone um, so it should be good um, I'm intrigued to see how Wolfsburg live up to the occasion. I think for Real Madrid, that was slightly easier because of the El Clasico occasion. We know you play for Real Madrid, Barcelona, no matter who you are, you're showing up to that game kind of ready to go. You know, Real Madrid, the, when the players came out and you saw the camera pan as they were playing the anthem, everyone had the most serious face. And I was expecting maybe just like a smirk or something, considering how big the the stadium was but no um but maybe- does your knowledge of the tv show mean you've watched this whole game again from start to finish i only watched the second half <laughs> just because i was like how do you know what they look like on television when they came out no i only watched the second half back i did watch the start though um because the zone spain did like a, a pre-match interviews and stuff so i watched i did watch the start of it um, but then I only watched the second half because I didn't want to watch the first half because that was a bit too. The Barcelona played bad. Anyway, I am. Well, my point was that I am intrigued to see how Wolfsburg respond to this occasion at Camp Nou because the post match interviews after the Arsenal Wolfsburg game, I didn't understand what they were saying half the time, but all of them mentioned Camp Nou at one point in their sentence. So they're really excited to do it. And I'm curious mentally how they're going to perform at Camp Nou um, because obviously Barcelona have that advantage but just something there Um, but moving on to the last matchup Lyon won 3-1 the second leg 4-3 on aggregate Abdullah is very happy right now Um, a fun tie to follow if you're kind of if you like to root for the underdog Um, Juventus almost did it 
um i think probably impressed most people overall uh but they're not there just yet i think leon dominated the second leg um quite decently considering um but uh, yeah after winning the first leg 2-1 juve went down 3-0 in the second leg and didn't score until the 84th minute giving them only six minutes to push for extra time which probably would have gone in leon's way as well um but jesse does this result say more about juventus progress or Leon's flat line I, I struggle to find a word to like describe what's happening to Leon because it's not a downfall and they're just <laughs> well, flat line that's fine they're gonna come for you on social media for that Abdullah's gonna get his army of Leon fans to troll you you're such a darling of social media as well it'll be a hard pull <laughs> from, from the top I'll flat line on social media I'll, 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 I'll let this one slide it's Alex I'll let this one slide it's okay um Juventus's progress on Leon's flatline. I thought it was funny how in Joe Montemiro's interview to you, like, really went in on being like Leon are the best team in the world. I was like, does anyone really think Leon is still the best team in the world? No. Um, sorry, Abdullah. Uh, but I think this probably says more about Juve's progress. I think generally, like, everyone's been like quite impressed by them. I think they. It's we kind of spoke about it before, but I think it is a fun combination. The kind of calm possession based elements of Joe's style in combination with then that like maybe more Italian like never say die attitude like I was looking they've scored goals in the last 10 minutes of like four of their Champions League ties so both games against Leon and both games against Wolfsburg which is like pretty impressive as things go to I know obviously this one here kind of felt more like a consolation one I think they'll be frustrated with the goals they conceded in the first half against against Leon, especially the first one. It just felt like maybe the nature of, of the game got a bit too much for them because there were just moments where I was like, you can be closing these players down quickly, like quicker than they were, like the, the cross for the first goal. Um, and kind of letting Hegerberg like slip away. I know her movement's good, but it's like if there's one person you might want to watch in the box, it's probably her. Uh, and equally, like Lindsay Horan's ball in for the second is is a great ball, but it I just don't think you should be being able to whip the ball in like that with so little pressure um, from that kind of position. So I think that all have been annoying for them. Uh, Got to shout out Kat Macario because there was nothing they could do with that goal. That was sick. Uh, and you know, ultimately, maybe that's also. What it does come down to a bit, like as much as Juventus are a really good team and I've really enjoyed watching them, the level of players that Leon has is still worlds away. You know, you think about some of the chances like Lena Hurtig had across both uh, both legs and then you compare it to like, yeah, Hegerberg or Macario and you think, well, they would have probably scored like two or three of them and she, does, she doesn't walk away with any of them because that's just kind of like... I love Lena Hurtig, but that's like the level of striker she is, like, unfortunately. So I think ultimately talent kind of won out on this one. It did really frustrate me to watch all the chances that Lena Hurtig had and realise that, yeah, you know, she's, if she was that kind of striker, she could have won the game. And obviously she didn't. Um, but yeah, that I agree with the defending. Um, the Ada Hegerberg goal could have easily been avoided. Um, she did make a good run like a cross backpedaled to the, the back post, but then the Juventus defenders just, they literally clashed into each other. And one of them, I think, attempted to track Ada Hegerberg and obviously did, didn't did do the job right. Um, but yeah, I agree with with the sense that Juventus could have avoided some of these things. Um, I don't know if they mentally they weren't ready or physically they were tired, or maybe it is just the, the difference of quality of players potentially, but... Abdullah, what did you think about how Leon played the second leg? Oh, I am just just really really happy with the way they they played, and they just like they completely switched it up, and they and and they they learned their lessons from the first leg. I think the team selection, I think, was spot on. I think it was just so much better having this uh, this lineup and 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 moving 
bash at the left back, I think was, was a good move. Then, you know, I was, I was actually expecting Pearl Moroni to come in and kind of do the same job and expecting Janice Cayman to come out right back. But the fact that she moved Grigian Bok to right back and brought in, brought Basha back, I think it was basically the same thing, but I didn't expect it to move Mbok to right back because basically it's the same thing. You move into a, you know, into a three, four, three, almost, or a three, one, you know, three, two, system uh you know and when you're when you're defending off the ball and having that extra center back in there i think i think really really helps and i think that's the one mistake that she didn't do in the first leg when when they went down to 10 men so i feel like um i feel like this she made that correct uh, the adjustment that correction in the second leg so i think overall they played well i think macario has just grown from strength to strength i think it was i think she in some sense is is leon's it's becoming Leon's talismanic figure. You know, Alada Hegerberg is still is still the one and the presence is there. And I think, you know, she made a huge difference just being in the side of she scored the opening goal and her presence overall as a, as a, as a target player up front was, was, was fantastic. But Makari is the one that's running this team. She's the highest goal scorer for Leon in the Champions League so far. I think the team is the midfield, her playing in this new midfield position, I think it's built around getting the best out of her. And I think what, what, what Sonia has done is, that because Ada was out for so long, she's been able to change the way they play to still incorporate Ada Hagerberg and give her an important role, but not limiting what Macario does. Because essentially what they're doing is almost playing them as two strikers, but from two different positions and just kind of when they get into the box just differs, you know. And I love the fact that Basha, Macario, and then whoever plays at left wing, and in this case it was Millard, but then that combination is able to kind of overload teams on the left side. You, you're pretty much going to win the three V two with those three on the left-hand side and having someone like Damaris move across and Haran kind of coming into a double pivot role, um, help defend the, uh, the, the, both the left side and the right side and then Mbok playing as a three. So I think in terms of rest defense, they had a really good setup in the second leg. So they were protecting themselves against the, the counter, but at the same time, giving them enough on one side to be able to attack. And and they kind of, and then they, what I was surprised about, they didn't just limit this to the left side. They started doing it on the right as well, but using Lindsay Haran as that Macario figure on the right side. And those, de- I mean, Mac- Haran is, absolutely fantastic on the ball i think she's she's so good in those tight spaces quick feet and her ability to be able to move the ball to you know short spaces but really quickly and get it out i think that was a huge key and that that deep cross that for her for that for the goal that that she that she assisted i think that was just the epitome of, of the way they wanted to play and the way the way they were going and you know i was super excited and that to me gave me a little bit of belief that all right, is it, if this is the sign of things to come from this Leon side, I think, you know, they can, they can go ahead and beat uh, PSG and then, you know, we see what happens in the final if they get there, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And I think this momentum will carry them through to the rest of the season. And, and I think they can, I think they can take it. And Jesse, what are you saying about the semifinal Leon versus PSG? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's, it does feel like Leon's to lose. But there is maybe a sense with this PSG team, which is funny because I kind of thought this was like last year's vibe, but but this is, you know, maybe their like last kind of moment together because everyone's so unhappy. Um, but I still think Leon's quality is, it just feels higher all across the pitch. You know, I still think as much as PSG have kind of like cobbled together, replacing some of the players who left last season, it it's not, it's still not quite there. And obviously Leon like kind of took those, <laughs> took those players. So um, yeah, I think ultimately PSG just feel like too one dimensional a team that I don't see how Leon don't find a way to just shut down their flanks and, and just play through the middle because I think there's just so much opportunity to play through the middle. And actually that's something what, that Juve did really well is that they kind of shut that down for Leon and that's what kind of forced them to, to bring those crosses from wide areas instead. But we then saw that they Leon can score from crosses from wide areas. So I just think the fact that PSG have, it feels like so, it felt like it was so easy for Bayern to play through them that you've got to feel like Leon are the favourites here, I think. You heard it here first, folks. I think I don't think that's too surprising to be fair. But um, I'll do the last question. Leon conceded three goals against Juventus. Now they're up against 
the big three of PSG and box to box. Um, do you think PSG can do damage to the Lyon backline? That's the that's the that's the ultimate question, right? You've got that front three, like we just said in, in the previous segment, that they can be playing poorly, and then one of those three will just come up with a moment of brilliance and, and score a goal. So I don't think that that Leon's backline is immune to immune to those three. So I think there there might be a goal or two in it for um, PSG. Whether it's through a set piece or whether it's through uh, a, a counterattack or a play, so I think they may get a they, they probably will get a couple of chances, um, just all things considered. However, I think it just comes down to who can take their chances because there will be there will be chances available for both teams and who can take their chances. But I think ultimately it will come down to the fact that. Um, you know who can come up clutch in defense. Now, obviously, Renard always does it. Then they've got Buchanan, who's been really good form, and Bach is back playing regularly and playing well. And I think, obviously, Tian Endler is a better goalkeeper overall than, than Votikova. So it, it's I think it might even just come down to the goalkeepers. It's which goalkeeper can have that clutch moment and, and keep keep a, keep an opportunity out. Can, will, you know, a Tian Endler save against a Katota header, for example, or, you know, Votikova against Hegerberg. I think it'll come down to those fine details. I think there are chances to be had on both sides. Um, but I do think that the, the adjustments that Sonia made in that second leg, I think, will help them in terms of their defensive solidarity and kind of playing there because not to mention I think Gunnar's dot here I don't know she could be a, she could be a ploy to, to, to play as a, as a number six there alongside Demar because I think Demaris is suspended for that first leg so that'll be a huge miss so I could even see Sarah Bjork Gunnar's daughter coming in as that six playing alongside Amandine Henri and, and Lindsay Haran so and I think she will sit in front of that defense and, and kind of do a similar job so all right, and I and I, you know what? To extend, Ellie Kompeta might be available. I still think maybe Mbok continues at right back just to kind of protect it and keep it, keep it tight. So uh, yeah, I think it'll be these fine details. But yeah, I think it'll come down to the goalkeepers overall. Which I think Christian and there should be fine with. Um, yeah. No, that's to be fair. Yeah, it is um, a hard one because yeah, Diani Katato and, and Baltimore obviously are one of the best in the world, and they actually haven't done as much. And that's saying that Katoto scored two goals, obviously, that first against against Bayern Munich. But I was expecting a bit more um, magic from them overall. But I think they'll definitely live up to, to the matchup that is Lyon versus PSG. But that's the end of this episode. But before the end spiel, as we have it in our running order, um, we will do some quick predictions on how the semifinals will go. Jesse, do you want to go first? I think I'm, I just have to, for narrative, back barcelona Leon to get through because I think it's just... I love the idea of seeing Barcelona play PSG again because I do still think PSG are the team who've caused Barcelona the most problems over the past year or so. But I just think, you know, Leon. I think fairly, but Leon got pushed off their perch very quickly, right? From having been for the past... 10, 15 years, the best women's team in the world. And now suddenly everyone like loves Barcelona and thinks Barcelona are amazing. I just think it would, I just think the intensity of that kind of rivalry, I think Leon would feel like they had a lot to prove. And I think that would be a good final. And I do also think they're the two bad teams. Abdullah. I, I have to say the same thing. I want to, you know, as much as I, I think a Wolfsburg win would be really surprising, it would be really, I think it would just throw chaos into the mix. Um, I think I want Barcelona through in that final. I want Leon to play then because I want, because just for the narrative, like Jesse said, I think it, it, it's, I want, it'll be, it's the reverse revenge match for Barcelona from that 2018 final, right? Can they do what Leon did to them, but can Leon come back and kind of continue that same you know, you know, the same way they beat Barcelona back then, can they do something similar? Um, there are just so many storylines here. And I just, you know, it would be so, you know, it, it, I just want to see how this team does against the best team in, in, in Europe right now. And yes, they, they got knocked off their perch, you know, um, taking, taking, taking the, the line from name my book, they were the Queens of Europe once upon a time. And, and that, that title just has gone towards Barcelona. Right. And, I think I think they want that back, even though because you know what, this could be 
Wendy Renard last year. She's, she's making some noises, telling the president that she wants to go and try a new challenge this summer. So, you know, Leon lose Wendy Renard and that that transition of, you know, it's, you know, I don't know instead of flatlining, I think it's a transition period. For Leon, I think that's it's Leon's transition. That sounds much better. Yes, I think Leon's <laughs> comms department would prefer that one. <laughs> Just a little bit, um, probably. No, I think I think. This this moment, I think it just feel. I think I think a lot of people in the beginning, at least I think I was also thinking that Leon could be the one to disrupt Barcelona again, just because they've been in their position before and they've got the tools to be able to do it, and they've got the squad from depth and all around. And I think, I think that that would just be a fitting final as the way the season has gone, and 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 just you know we get to see a spectacle of Alexia versus Hegerberg and and just these mini battles and. I'm I'm excited. I, I know I'm just yeah, I could probably do a whole show on just on just that final for like two hours. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that that's going to be the most predicted final once we know now what the semifinals are. Um I, I mean I have to agree, that's it. I can't say anything else. I think you guys covered it all. Um, but these semifinals should be tasty, tasty, tasty. And yeah, we'll figure out later on if we do an episode after the first leg or just wait for the second leg and then we have to do an independent one for the final especially if Abdullah can just talk this much about Leon Barcelona so uh, <laughs> we'll definitely like that but yeah just keep an eye out on our Twitter at BoxBoxWSL and we're kind of decide sorry there's no future plans that are set in concrete but that's just kind of what we do um but just look at our twitter we're not very organized no not really um but yeah we'll, we'll let everyone know and that's that and yeah thank you it's surprise podcasting exactly. that's right. yeah. it's spontaneous it's the best kind it's worked so far so <laughs> yeah yeah so that's 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 how we do things around here um, but thank you everyone for listening and see you next time Cheers, guys. Yeah, see you guys. Bye.